need you to turn to the person next to you. I was going to say your neighbor and my brain stumbling because I'm not in that kind of church, but we'll just pretend we are. Turn to your neighbor and touch your neighbor, slap him, hit him, something. No, just turn to the person next to you. Your neighbor doesn't even go to this church, so it's all good. Um, just look at the person next to you and say, you're awkward. Oh, come on, you got to be nice at church. Why are you going to tell people they're awkward? Come on, somebody. What's up? Um, <laughs> I think all of us are just a little bit awkward sometimes. We all, uh, and, and quite frankly, I think City Chapel is a little bit awkward. It's kind of interesting. Um, I, it's not really a mean thing to say, I don't think. I, I think sometimes it's a phase. I think we're sort of in a bit of an awkward phase, you know. We're in the phase where the pastor forgets to bring shorts for baptism, you know, and that's a little bit awkward, you know. Um, uh, we're in the phase where, where our people, what, was it Danielle? Danielle, where, like, took the guy's underwear that we had, like, put it over her white pants, you know. It was not awkward at all. It was awesome. That was, that was awesome. So, like, she took us from awkward to awkward. <laughs> But the truth is, like, all of us, and I think even, like, even City Chapel, as, 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 like, you know, systematically, we're a little bit awkward. We're trying to, we're trying to get our bearings, a new place, new location. We're a, a new church, started just a year ago. So we're, we're still kind of trying to get some of our systems in play and, and some of our people in play and, and uh, getting people involved. And we just, had, we just had Henry last, was it two weeks ago? Last week, Henry stepped up, and he, now he's doing online live streaming. So we got a person. Because we've, we've had a machine, but we haven't had a person. Come on, somebody. Sometimes a person's a lot smarter than a machine. So uh, the machine was kind of hit and miss, but the person has been, he's been on point. So uh, for our folks watching online, we have about 30 people watching every Sunday. And so it's very important that they, they have good audio and stuff. So now we have a person who's doing it. And then we're, but we're kind of been in that growing phase. It's like we're, we're, we're doing more and we're, we're expanding and God's, God's moving. But it's sometimes it's just, it's just a little bit awkward. It's kind of like... Um, uh, I was talking to I was talking to T Bear and we were talking about um, the church spiritually. You know where are we at as a church, City Chapel? Where are people at spiritually? And and um, uh, you know system uh, systemic. I don't know systematically or with regard to our systems, we're we're still kind of working out some of the some of the, the 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 issues. But but with regard to our people, we're in a beautiful place. Like people are are, are making new decisions to follow Jesus, and that's exciting. Um, seven kids, you know, um, make decisions to follow. That that still fires me up, you know. Six to twelve year olds saying yes to Jesus. That's the first step, and not only that, but but we've had thirty six people we baptized, um, which is also a huge step, um, and um, so that's exciting. There's a lot of new life just springing out, springing up, just growing, just everywhere, and 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 it's exciting. But it's a little bit like um, T Bear said. It's a little bit sort of like sort of like a, a cow that has you know a a baby calf, and that, that baby calf is new, and it's new life, and, and the birth was successful. That's exciting. But when the calf tries to stand up, it gets a little awkward, you know. Its legs are, like, you know, imbalanced, and it kind of, like, stands for a minute and, like, ew, falls over. And that's kind of, like, where a lot of us are, I feel like. We're kind of in that new life. How do I stand in this new life phase? How do I, how do I live this new life? How, what do I do after baptism? What do I do after I make a decision for Jesus? It's a little bit awkward. Awkward is, is really just another word for sort of like feeling unfit or feeling out of place. It's like, I don't know that I belong, you know, like where, where I'm standing. I'm a little bit, a little bit out of place. And so, so I want to talk to you over the next four weeks about <laughs> being awkward. 
And um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share plenty of awkward stories of my own, which I, I generally do anyway. Most of my stories talk about my awkwardness. And um, that, that it, it's good. It's good to make fun of yourself, and it's better to make fun of other people I have found. Um, <laughs> people laugh better when it's not making fun of them. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all right. So I'm not, but I'm not going to share an awkward story today. Instead, I'm going to look at Scripture, the Scripture that we're going to be following for the next four weeks. And there's a Scripture um, found in Genesis, the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 32. We're going to start at verse 22. We're going to look at a guy who basically all of his life, most of his life, um, he is dealing with awkwardness. He's dealing with uh, not quite fitting, not quite... Um, being prepared or being able to handle the place that God has put him in. And he's a guy by the name of Jacob. And so I think we're all going to be able to relate a little bit to Jacob. And uh, hopefully we're going to learn some lessons from Jacob as to how uh, he went from awkward to awesome. Because that's really what I believe. I believe that God wants to take us from a place of awkwardness to a place of awesomeness. Um, And that's what happens when you follow God. You may start off awkward, but if you trust him and if you keep following him, you will get to a place of awesomeness. So now, so now this is your chance to make up for, for, for ridiculing your, your, your neighbor just, just a minute ago. So turn to that same neighbor and just, and just, and just, and just, Roe is not turning to any neighbors. There's no turning. Neighbor, there's neighbors on both sides, babe. You got like lots of options. All right, so she doesn't play the game, but we're going to pretend that others do. So go ahead and turn to the person next to you and tell them, I'm about to be awesome, though. I'm about to be, be awesome. <laughs> you already, I'm about to be awesome. Okay, that's good, that's good. I might be awkward now, but I'm <laughs> just wait and see me in four weeks. It's going to be something else. No, it's a journey, and we're going to go on this journey with Jacob, and we're going to start here really kind of at the end. This is toward the end of Jacob's journey, actually. Um, We find him here in chapter 32, and he has just found out that his brother, Esau, who um, was kind of ticked off at him, was coming to meet him with 400 men. In other words, uh, Esau is getting ready for a fight. And so Jacob is is very much afraid. He's very much afraid for his life, and he, he divvies up his family, and he sends out his stuff first, his cattle and his sheep and his, and his, his possessions, and then he sends out his wives, and you see that he has two wives, and he sends them out in two different companies, and, and this is kind of the position that we find ourselves in verse 22, that he arose that night and took his two wives. Um, that'll be for a whole nother sermon series, so we won't even, <laughs> we won't even bother with that. <laughs> His two female servants. Everybody's like, hey, I like this church. And (laughs) it's not that kind of church. And his 11 sons. Definitely not that kind of church. And crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Those are his possessions. Then Jacob was left alone. I love that statement. This is the the first, this this is the first time. That, that, that statement comes about in Jacob's life. Then Jacob was left alone. Some, God will do some of his best work when you reach that place. <laughs> in fact, some of you guys have been trying to get you in that place. You keep fighting to, to keep things around you. But, but look, look what happens when Jacob is finally left alone. A man, capital M, wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Most scholars believe that this is Jesus. This is a Christophany or an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. At any rate, this, is, this man has a capital M. In other words, we believe that he is God. This man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And now when 
the man saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob, Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled. He kept wrestling. And he said to him, let me go, for the day is about to break. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And so he said to him, by the way, what's your name? <laughs> Speaking of awkward moments, <laughs> they've been wrestling all night. I think it's good to, that we get acquainted now. So who are you, by the way? Who am I wrestling with? Uh, what's your name? He says, my name is Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob said, <laughs> uh, tell me, what's your name? Can I have your Facebook? I'm going to friend you. Let me get on my phone. Let me add you to my contact list. And the angel of the Lord said, why is it that you ask about my name? <laughs> In other words, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> and he blessed him there. He blessed him there with a new name. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive. And these stories were written for our instruction. We find ourselves, we find ourselves in these stories. Lord, help us to find ourselves, but also help us to find Jesus Christ. Help us to find um, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Help us to see Jesus as we look at Jacob's life. Help us to see what Jesus is saying to us. And, and take us, Lord, take us from where we are to where we need to be. On a bigger level, take City Chapel from where it is to where you want it to be. Take, take your people from where they are to where you, take me from where I am to where you want me to be. I open myself up to you. I surrender myself to you. I, I invite the work of the Holy Spirit right now for each person here that, that we will be under construction. <laughs> we, will, we, will, we will put out the under construction sign on our, on our awkward lives, and we'll, we will let you do what you want to do inside of us. We will be left alone. We, we, we want to have an encounter with Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Jacob... Um, uh, is a man very much like us. He's awkward. In fact, um, he's, he's been awkward kind of from his birth. He actually had an awkward birth, <laughs> which, is, which is interesting. Uh, when you read, I think it's Genesis 27, talks about his, his rather awkward birth, where he is, um, he's, he's, he's a twin. He's a twin with his brother Esau, the man who's, going, who's trying to kill him. Uh, he's, he's, he's a twin with Esau, and, and his, his mom, actually, his mom's name was Rebecca, and Rebecca could not get pregnant. She, she, she tried and tried, and she was barren. And so Isaac and Rebecca cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, bless us with a child. And God answered their prayer, which God has a tendency to answer prayers. But, by the way, you might want to be careful what you ask for, because Rebecca asked for a child, and then the Bible said that, that within her stomach, the, the two babies that were unborn babies that were in her stomach began fighting with each other and she said to herself all is not well sometimes sometimes when you get what you ask for it's a little bit more difficult than you had planned sometimes you gotta be careful what you ask for because god might give it to you but you don't know the cost of what you're asking for she said, all is, all is not well with me. And so she inquired of the Lord. Some, sometimes we see people who have something that we want, and we really, 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 really want it, but we don't know the cost that they had to pay in order to get it. And, and so be careful what you ask for, because, because God, might, God just might give it to you. <laughs> 
and then, and then, because there's some stuff like you can read books about, you know, what to expect when expecting. They don't help you at all. Like we went to a class, Ro and I, for, with our first child, they make you go through all these classes. I forget the name of the class. It was always a word that I couldn't pronounce. And we were in this class with this lady who was basically teaching Ro how to breathe. Anyway, she was 34 years old. I think she had it down by that point, but she was like teaching her how to breathe. She'd been doing this for a while, but hey, let's all learn how to breathe. And this, and, and, and this lady was extra sort of hippie, and so um, she kind of had us try to remember our own birth experience, and it was the funniest thing. I'm like, how am I going to remember? I was like, you know, I wasn't conscious. I, like, I was coming out of the birth canal. I don't remember this, but there was a guy in the class who suddenly had this amazing, <laughs> awkward memory coming on out. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to remember that. Even if I could, this is awkward. So good awkward moments right there. And so we're in this class that they're teaching you, they're trying to get you ready, but nothing can really prepare you for that moment until you go through that moment. So be careful what you pray for, because you might pray for something that you've read about and you've watched seminars, you've attended stuff and you heard about, but you don't know what it costs until you actually birth something. You don't, you don't know what it's like. You don't, you don't know what it's like. And so Rebecca, Rebecca cries out to the Lord. She really wants the result, but in order to get the result, she's got to go through the pregnancy. She's got to go through the process, and that process is not what she thought. In fact, that process is kind of odd anyway. These two babies are, 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 are at war with each other inside of her womb. Right, like, 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 she goes to the midwife. They slap the the jelly on her, you know, and they're like, they're like doing the 3D sonogram, and and uh, and oh, there's my precious baby, and and uh, you know the other one's got him because he's born very furry and red, and so there you go. Um, he comes out first, but as he's coming out of the womb, his his heel has a little little hand on it, and this is the hand of Jacob. Jacob is born, get this picture, Jacob is born holding on to the heel of his brother. <laughs> and so they name him Jacob, which means heel holder on to her. <laughs> and this is not, by the way, a compliment. <laughs> this is not the world's greatest name. This is not, boy, you're going to be a success in life, son. This, the, the idea of, of a heel holder onto her or a heel grabber is basically similar to what we would call, you know, what, what, what we would call nipping at the heels. So like a puppy that's not very powerful um, will nip at your heels because that's about all that they can do. Well, this is really what they're saying. They're saying Jacob lost the battle in the womb. Jacob lost the fight. He didn't get out first. His brother got out first. And he's just, he's just holding on to an ankle because that's all that little old Jacob can do. That's amazing. He's marked by that moment. He's marked by that moment. Have you ever been marked by a moment? Like, he didn't even, he wasn't even conscious. He was, I mean, well, I guess some people would say he was conscious. He was wide awake. He probably remembers the whole thing, you know, sliding on out of there. I don't know, that's weird. But, you know, he was, <laughs> the forceps, and I was, oh. and, uh, you know, so he, he, he wasn't, like, he wasn't actively participating in this moment, but yet he's marked by it. For the rest of his life, he is known as Jacob, 
the guy who grabs the heels. In fact, Esau, when he gets mad at him later on in his life, he says, man, that guy really is a heel grabber. <laughs> he really is. You can, you, you can get marked by a moment. You can, there, you can have one moment, one mistake, one issue. You can be defined by that for the rest of your life. And from then on, people call you according to that moment. They call you, they name you after your failure. They label you after your losses. You lost that battle, and yup, that's pretty much what you are. And throughout his life, he's marked by that moment. He's labeled by that loss. He, he, he can't escape it. Every single time his mom calls him in for dinner, she's reminding him about who he is. He's awkward. He's the heel grabber. He's not very strong. He's not mighty. He, didn't, he doesn't win battles. He just, he just holds on to heels. And he lives this way. He lives this way his entire life. And I think many of us have had these marking moments. These moments that mark us. These moments that we, that we argue against for the rest of our lives. No, I'm not. 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 And we, but it's in the back of our head, this moment, this, this, this marking moment, this labeling. And sometimes it's, it is a label that other people put on us. Sometimes it's a label we put on ourselves. We can be, we can be defined by, by one defeat. We can, we can be narrowly defined by one defeat. And then for the rest of our life, that's our issue. That's, that's, that's us. That's our go-to. That's what, whatever. And we, we come to believe the, the label, and we come to believe the mark. And he's marked this way throughout his life. Until the time um, that, his, that his dad is about to die. His dad, Isaac, is about to die. And I think there's, I think there's several things. If we're, if we're going to talk about moving from awkward to awesome, we have to deal with that, with that, with that marking. We have to deal with that identity issue. <laughs> we have to deal with this idea of who am I. In fact, uh, Jim Collins says you have to deal with first who, then what. That's a business book, but anyway, uh, those those of you that are initiated in Jim Collins, good to great, you'll understand. Uh, you have to when, whenever you're putting together a great church, you have to look for her first who, then what. In other words, you don't like set off for uh, like this is our mission, this is where we're going to go. This that's the what. Instead, you go out and look for people, and that's what we did as a church. Me and my wife, God called us to plant a church, and so we began talking to people. We didn't start writing strategy statements and 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 this we'll do this and then we'll do that and then we'll do that all the what is always created by the who so if you get the right people in the room if you get the right people on the team if you get the right people then you don't have to wonder about the what because they will help you figure out what the what is because it's usually what they're kind of good at and so, and so for us here at City Chapel, uh, one of the first people that joined us were some awesome people sitting right down here in the front row, Eddie and Priscilla Jones. And um, they, like the night that we announced, this is like two years ago, the night that we announced that we were going to move to Austin, start a church, um, they came up to us, Priscilla came up to me and said, we're with you. And I didn't know what she was talking about. I was like, <laughs> all right. Um, you know, what do you mean by that? She said, no, 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 we're going to go with you. I said, well, I'm not going anywhere. I thought like she was talking about like that night. We're going to go with you somewhere. I said, I'm not going. And she, she said, no, no, we're going to go with you to start the church. And I said, what? Because they had family in the other church, and, and I didn't, I, we never talked to them about, hey, you need to leave this church and come with us. You know, we didn't, we didn't do any, we didn't talk to them about anything. They never mentioned it to me, but I guess they had already decided that 
if Pastor Harry launched out and planted a church, they were going to come with us. So um, I was like, maybe you want a minute to think about this because, you know, like, because we're going to be meeting in a school and the air conditioning is going to be weird and uh, the sound system. It's not, it's, it's not like everything's all laid out and you have a nice salary package. I mean, you're going to be working for free and, uh, and it's just, it's just going to be all about mission. And I said, you might want to pray about it. And so they said, sure, you know, we'll meet with you. And, and uh, when I met with them, I said, what do you, what, okay, so, so you guys are called to go with us. What do you feel called to do? And they said, we are, we're, we're, we're called to do a children's ministry and, and uh, work with kids. And I said, okay, then we will have a children's ministry and we will work with kids. And that's what they've been doing ever since they first joined us. Every single little prayer meeting we had, gathering in homes and stuff, they were, they were helping organize the kids. They have a passion for it. They have a heart for it. You got to go with the first two, then the what. Because if you have the what, it's like, we got to minister to kids. Because I've been there, right? Um, like, like, like when my family and I, when, when I was 10 years old, we helped start a church. And there was like three of us families in the living room. And literally people are like, so who's going to watch the children? And everybody's like quiet, you know, they're looking at the floor. We didn't have cell phones to check back in the day. So we weren't checking phones, we were checking pagers. And, um, and, uh, and my mom because she's so sweet and wonderful, said, Harry will do it. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Love you. Um, and I did it because I, you know, because I am amazing. And I just have, I just have a heart to serve. I, I really do. I, do. I really do have a heart to, to serve and to help. And so I said, great, 10 years old, sure, I can watch the pastor's two kids, you know. We can do that, no problem. They're two and like four, and we'll, we'll, we'll play some games. But, but, but I was never passionate about it. You know, and 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 if and if and if we would have had like a and, and our kids ministry wasn't nearly as awesome as it is now with Eddie and Priscilla, because they're actually passion. They actually like kids. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> you gotta have the first who, then the what. And if that's true in a church, it's also true in a life. You gotta figure out who you are before you figure out what you're gonna do. You got to figure out who you are before you figure out what you're called to do or what church you're called to attend or what small group you're called to lead. There's a, there's a question of identity. The identity has to come first. You have to understand who you are. And it's so difficult because we have all of these marking moments of people saying what we are. We live with, it's almost like, it's, it's almost like our brain is like a big bus, right? And we have all of these passengers from all the stops that we've made and everyone that we've dated and everything, every experience that we've had. We have all these passengers and they're all yelling really loudly about where we should go. And we often have such a hard time making decisions because we can't tell which passenger to listen to. We've got all sorts of passengers, and I, I'll probably be talking about this for the next few weeks, but the first passenger really is this, is this past identity, this label. And he says, well, you need to do this because you are this. You are a heel grabber, therefore you need to grab at heels. We see Jacob do this. He, he's always sort of running and not fighting. He's, he's, he's weak and he's running. But but not only that, but we also have a, 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 a passenger that's, that says, this is, this, is, this, is who, this is who I want to be. So we have the passenger of who I have been, but we also have the passenger of who I want to be. And we all have this person in our head. There's a, there's a Harry that you see, and then there's a Harry that I want to be. And um, he's way cooler than this Harry, by the way. He's, 
He's way smarter. He uses much bigger words, and and he's just he's just he's just he's just, he's just better. He's a better leader. He's a better parent. He's a better husband. He's he's like he had he does everything really calmly, really well, and um and and he's and he's awesome. And someday you're gonna meet him, and you're just gonna think, wow, that old Harry, he was a loser. This guy, like this this is this is City Chapel pastor material right here. But this is what we all have. We all have people and. And um, uh, the way that it's, it's 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 so interesting the way that we develop these these heroes these invisible heroes or alter egos of ourselves um, it's often through story it's often through story um, in fact stories are duplicated uh, historically there's only a handful of stories and those stories are constantly retold and retold and retold in society and they work every time because they're 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 linking into a primal story that we have all heard and loved. And the way that our society tells stories is through movies. And so, and so I, I just, just want to do a quick experiment on you for just a minute. And I want you to think about when you were growing up, what was your favorite movie? What was your favorite movie? If you're 20-something, it might have been Harry Potter. Um, uh, Charlton Heston, maybe. Uh, Ten Commandments. Um, I don't know. Uh, just think about... <laughs> Your favorite, I'm not even calling out names, I'm being nice. Just think about your favorite movie, th- favorite movie as a kid. Let me, let me, just, let me just tell you, uh, my, my favorite movie was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Also, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The original, not the new one that was lame. The original one, the good one. Um, that was that was mine. Like that that, that was kind of my one of my favorite movies. And um, I was I was talking to Ro about this, and she said her favorite movie was Labyrinth. I never saw Labyrinth, but um, where where David Bowie kidnaps a baby, I just got to watch it now. So I really need to watch it. Um, and so, uh, but you know, grab your favorite movie, get it in your head, and now 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 picture. The hero of that movie. Who is who is the hero? Like, um, shout out a name of the hero of your favorite movie. Somebody. Michael J. Fox. He's he's the actor. Okay, who's who's the guy? Who's the character that he plays? Bruce. Okay. Yoda. Ah, yeah, I knew it. I knew you were Yoda. I knew it. Um, okay. So okay. So so anyway. So 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 get the main character. Get that person. He or she in your head. What did they do that was, that was awesome? What did they do that was awesome? Somebody raise their hand. Let me know what their character did that was awesome. Harry Potter, what did he do? Wow, okay. That's a retold story. Yes, he died for everybody. Nice. So that everybody could go to heaven. I like it. I've heard that one somewhere. He took the blame for something he didn't do. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, so now you have this. Okay, so you have this character in your head. What he did that was awesome to you. What you think is awesome. Now ask yourself, what what's what's one or two qualities about this character that are really, really, really good? Just one or two qualities about this character. Something about his character, his nature, his his instincts. What is it? And then I'm almost sure that if you go home and really meditate on this, you're going to see that your life has played out. To some extent, your goal has played out to some extent to be like that character. For instance, I was talking to Ro, and sh- her favorite is Labyrinth. And I said, well, tell me, who's the main character? Well, it's this lady who's really independent, who's really strong, and she is on a mission to save the baby, and she has to solve all these puzzles. And she's like, but I don't know how that relates to me at all. 
Exactly. You all get it. You all get it. So if you have a spouse, you need to talk this over because obviously we don't get it ourselves. But I was like, babe, like you're always rescuing everything like, you know, puppies, dogs, babies, you know, everything but rattlesnakes. She will rescue like she just wants to rescue. And, and, and not only that, she's like one of the strongest, most independent women that I know. And that's why I married her, because I thought that was awesome. And um, but also she loves like she she spent so many years in getting her degree in child and adult psychology. Why? What is that? That's basically solving the puzzles of people. You're trying to figure out how people work in order to help them. So anyway, I just, I'm like, but, but this, is, this, this is for me. For me, it's Charlie and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Charlie always does the right thing. He always does the noble thing, and he always does the selfless thing. And then in the end, it works out for him. And so in, in our heads, we have this, this image of, of, of probably who we should be. I was talking to Dallas, and his favorite was Transformers and uh, uh, Transformer cartoon back when, they, back when it was cool. And uh, Transformers, what was the Cyclops? Is that his name, the main guy? Or? Oct Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime. Well, these guys, <laughs> I'm getting my movies confused. Optimus Prime, like he comes, he comes from another planet and he takes basically a, a human apparatus and he uses it in a different way. Like they, they, they use vehicles, they use airplanes and stuff. They use them in different ways than they've ever been used in order to like save humanity. And, and I'm like, dude, Dallas, like you're, you're using like all sorts of apparatuses and like drums and guitars and stuff and using it in a good way to try to help humanity. You know, like this is like oftentimes we have these people in our head. We don't even realize it. Uh, we, it's, it's, it's almost like this stage here, right? Like you have a, you, like if you're out here in the audience, you're watching a play, you're, you're watching the play of my life. I'm up here talking to you, but, or, or the characters are up here discussing something. But what you don't know is that back behind that curtain off to the side, there's always a little somebody called a director, right? And you guys don't see him. But I see him. That's who I'm keeping my eye on to let me know, you know, should I, should I make it a little more intense? Should I tone it down a bit? What's my line again? What was I supposed to be doing? Like, I'm watching the director to see what I should be doing. You guys are watching me. You think I'm just making it up. And oftentimes, I think subconsciously, we have this me director off the side of our stage. We have Yoda sitting on the side of what would Yoda do, right? What would Optimus Prime do? Almost subconsciously, we're asking ourselves these questions, and that is what we should be doing. But we often don't do that. And I think for some reason, we have got our invisible hero confused with Jesus. Because our invisible hero, is he's off to the side. You know, he's watching us. And sometimes he's like, man, yeah, yeah, that's, whew, that, that, that's it. And other times he's like, I'm really disappointed in this, 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 this dude. I don't always act like Charlie from the chocolate factory. We don't always act as selfless or as brave or as heroic or as, 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 as convinced as our heroes are. And they look at us with disappointment. And we feel that shame and we feel that disappointment because I'm not living up to what I should be. And Jacob has two messages in his brain. He has the label he was given at his birth and he has the message that his mom received before his birth. And you know she told him about that. Oh, by the way, you're supposed to rule over your brother. And so he tries, he tries to, and I'm getting ready to wrap up, but he tries to rule over his brother, and he finds, we find in Genesis 27, where he tries to rule over his brother, and he goes, and he goes to his father in order to receive his father's blessing, and really to steal it, and to trick his father. 
So the father was going to give, Isaac is going to give the blessing to Esau, and that's the big deal. That's the big blessing that just gives him his estate and just kind of really, really solidifies him as head of the family. And so he, he asked Esau to go out and to hunt and to kill something and make some stew, bring it to him. And then, es- and then Jacob and his mom concoct this plan. And, I, and, and at first I always used to blame his mom because mo- it's really his mom's idea. Until I, re- until I realized that most scholars say Jacob was 77 years old at this point. <laughs> at some point, you got to, like, you know, put your own diaper on. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's not your mama's fault anymore. Um, so there's really a discrepancy. Is he 77 or 57? And there's, there's a distinction. I kind of believe he's 57. But either way, I mean, you're kind of making your own decisions at this point. And so they have this idea. Jacob dresses up as Esau. And he gets, and he gets, he gets some, some fur from an animal, puts it on his arms and around the smooth part of his neck. And he gets Esau's clothes so he'll smell like the outdoors like Esau. And he brings a stew like what Esau would cook because his dad can't see very well. He's blind in his old age. And so he goes into his father and he said, my father. And his father said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Huh. Similar question that the angel asked. And this is Jacob's response. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? It's a good question. And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Oh, man, he's so religious. Fits right in. God did it. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I might feel you, my son, whether you really are my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And this is often what we do when we live with this other thing in the corner, with this other director of our lives. Occasionally we get it right. And we play the part that we think we ought to play. And this is, this, is, this, is, this is how I'm going to fulfill what God has called me to do. This is how I'm going to rule over my brother. I'm going to pretend to be somebody I'm not. And it starts even at a very early age. We, we dream about being somebody that we're not. When I was seven, I, I wanted to be a Jedi. And I prayed. Uh, I had a little lightsaber, and we were in a, a big-time Word of Faith church. And they told me that if you just said it, that it would happen. And so I had a toy lightsaber, and I said, in the name of Jesus, this will be a real lightsaber. I'm serious. I'm not. I was seven years old. Kids just believe what you say. And so I'm like, this will be a, and it never happened. Apparently, Marilyn Hickey didn't explain everything to me. Uh, about how all that works. I guess it's not as simple as just saying something like, you know. So I was like, man, I, got, I have a lot of faith. And I would sit there with my toy lightsaber because I wanted a lightsaber so bad. Like, Wouldn't that be cool? Anyway, whatever. Forget you. You got Harry Potter. What's he got, a wand? Anyway. But we have this escape mentality. It's like, I want to be that when I grow up. I want to be that when I grow up. What if, what if you wanted to be you when you grew up? What if God didn't need another Jedi? What if God needs another, what if God needs a Harry? Because there's not a Harry around. And so, and so we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't grab our identity. We grab something else because that's better. That's, that's stronger. That's more, that's more confident. That's, 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 that, that's what I need. 
We grab a hold of that and we seek blessing from others. And uh, Jacob got the blessing from his dad, but you're not gonna, you, you can fool people, but you can't fool God. And God can't bless who you're pretending to be. God can't bless who you're trying to be. Which is why it's so amazing that when, that when, that when Jacob meets this man, this man just starts wrestling. <laughs> doesn't ask his name, doesn't get into a, a verbal fight with them. He just gets into a physical fight. It's almost similar to the fight that he had with his brother. And he's wrestling all night long. And the man, the angel, Jesus, sees that he cannot prevail against him. Now, by the way, at this stage in Jacob's life, we know that he's 97 years old. <laughs> and he's wrestling with the angel. <laughs> no wonder the angel just had to touch his hip, you know. I mean, just, swoop, there it goes. You know, I mean, 97. He's not exactly a spring chicken. He's not bulk. You know, he's not buff. He starts this wrestling match even at 97 years old. He's like, I got my, my cane, and I'll beat you with that. I'll hold you now. You know, and he's, just, he's, he's wrestling, but we don't see any wrestle moves from Jacob. He has the same move that he had with his brother, which is just hold on. <laughs> see, God will use the label. God will use where you've come from. God will use who you are. You don't have to get rid of who you are in order to be used of God. God will use your one move. All I know how to do is hold on. I don't know how to fight. I don't, I'm not very successful at wrestling matches. I don't do the neck thing very good. All I know how to do is to hold on, and that's all Jacob does. Jacob holds on for dear life in spite of being injured, in spite of, in spite of losing the battle. He's just holding on. But the key difference is this time he's holding on to God instead of holding on to somebody else. And so the first step to going from awkward to awesome is to stop holding on to who you want to be and stop, start holding on to the one who made you. To grab a hold of God. Grab a hold. You got, you got to get some something inside your gut. I don't even know what the southern word for it is, but... It's like you got to get something inside that you're not going to let go. You're not going to let go. You're not going to back off. You're not going to back up. You might not be the most talented person, but you're not going to let go. You might not be the, the, the most moral person, but you're not going to let go. You might fall. You might make a lot of mistakes. You might break your hip. You might have to walk with a limp for the rest of your life, but you are not going to let go of God. I, I, I admire people that stumble and still get up and go to church. I admire people that struggle and still confess that and still admit that and say that I'm in a process. I'm not awesome. I'm awkward, and that's okay because God is the God of the awkward. God is the God of Jacob. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not just the God of strength. He's not just the God of power. He's not just the God of Israel. He's the God of Jacob. He's the God who sees you in your awkwardness. And he, and he, and he presents himself to you and gives you a chance to hold on. And you say, well, isn't, he, is, is, isn't God sort of fighting with him? Absolutely he is. Absolutely he is. Because, because Jacob for so long has just been, been him, has been trying to be somebody else. But when you're in the middle of a drop, knockdown, drag out fight, it's just you. You are yourself. And that's where Jacob realizes, I just have to hold on. I don't have to sneak my way out of this. I don't have to lie my way out of this. I don't have to trick my way out of this. And when the angel says, who are you? He says, 
I am Jacob. I am awkward. I am the heel grabber. And he doesn't stay that way, though. The angel says, okay, so from now on you'll be called Israel. And the name Israel means one who is victorious with God. <laughs> and God touches that deepest part of him. God, I mean, yeah, the angel touched his hip, but then he went a little bit deeper into his heart. He, he, he touched the deepest part of him, his identity. And he said, okay, this is what you've, the label you've been carrying with you. This is what people have known you by. But from now on, people will know you by a different name. They will not see your past. They will not see who you're trying to be. We're not going to name you Esau. We're not going to name you your older brother. We're not going to name you whatever, whatever character director in your life that's been sort of making a lot of the decisions for you. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to put God into the director's chair and he's going to allow you to be what he says, victorious, not just victorious, but victorious with God. In other words, when it comes to matters of God, when it comes comes to spiritual matters, you are victorious. Because it didn't change his current situation. He was still in trouble with his brother. And he says, I don't know how that's going to work out for you. But when it comes to your spiritual, and there's a lot of stuff that you're facing. I don't know how it's going to work out. Sometimes you reap a lot of stuff you've been sowing. That's just what happens. But your, your, your identity can change from this day forward. You can you can be victorious when it comes to God. You can have his blessing. You can have his hand on your life. You can have his anointing. You can have him leading you. You can have him guiding you. You can have him fulfilling his promises. And you can be blessed, not just from your dad or whatever person you're trying to impress. You can get blessed from God. That's the blessing that really counts. So if you want to receive Jesus today, I just want to give you that opportunity. Let's close our eyes for just a moment and bow our heads. And it's really very simple to take the first step. There are several steps along this journey, even as Jacob took several steps. But the first step is simply to put your faith in Jesus, that Jesus is able to change your identity, that Jesus is able to change your name, that Jesus is able to go to that deepest place and give you a new identity and a new name. That's, that's, that's the first step. Now, this requires faith because you've been trying to change it forever and it hasn't worked. It requires your, a little, your trust and a little bit of, of trust in Jesus and leaning on Jesus for him to do what nobody else, even your own self, has not been able to do. But if you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me, I'm making that decision today. And I am... I'm, I'm going to rest in that. Just like I'm sitting in this chair, I'm going to sit in that decision. <laughs> That's good. Hmm. Let me just... Let me just pray over you. Lord, I just pray for this group of people who are putting their trust in you and, and everyone here under the sound of my voice. That we this applies to all of us. We all need we all need we all need a new name. We all need a new identity. We all have ways in which we feel that we've let you down and disappointed you. And really, we haven't disappointed you. We've just disappointed our version of you. We've disappointed our version of ourself, our, our alter ego. We've disappointed that thing, that invisible hero that, that sits and, and looks at us. And, and I just speak over these people that they are not a disappointment. <laughs> they are not a disappointment to you. 
They haven't let you down. They haven't shocked you. They haven't surprised. You knew what they were going to do before they knew what they were going to do. You knew what they were going to say before they knew what they were going to say. You knew what they were going to go back to before they knew what they were with. They have, they, have, they have disappointed their avatar, but they have not disappointed their Savior. <laughs> They've disappointed this imaginary figure in their head, but that is not God. That thing in their head is too weak to be God. To disappoint. When, when you disappoint, you, 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 you have an appointment. Your disappointment is an appointment that gets dissed. <laughs> and God's too powerful for you to diss his appointment. <laughs> you can, not, your disobedience can't diss his appointment. Your disregard can't diss his appointment. Your, your, your disability can't diss his appointment. All of your disses cannot change his appointment. His appointment is settled in heaven. He decided something about you long before you were even born. He declared it over you. He sealed it in the heavens. He set it in place. It, he didn't consult you. He didn't consult your family. He didn't consult your past. He didn't consult your own, your own sense of self-worth. He didn't even ask if you thought you were up to it. He decided what you would do before you were even born and you have not disappointed him you have not changed the appointment and when you get all by yourself you will find out that your appointment with Jesus Christ is still valid he's showing up in your life right now and he is changing your identity he is changing your name he is changing your sense of purpose you are not good because you lived up to some standard. You are not righteous because you came up to some level. You are, you are not, you are, these, these things are all external. The side of your stage keeps telling at you and looking at you with this disappointment face. But God has never been let down by you because you never held him up. <laughs> Instead, God is the one who lifts you up. So we rest in Jesus today, just like we're resting in these chairs. We let our weight just rest on the competency of Jesus Christ. And we choose right now to step back from trying to be the person that we want to be and trying to run away from the person that we have always been. And we just acknowledge who we are and we need God. We welcome you into our lives, Lord. We welcome the work of the Holy Spirit. Come, change us, renew us, make us new. Rushing wind blow through this temple. Uh, blow out all the dust within. Change me, cleanse me, make me new, make me brand new. Just get rid of habits and, 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 and things that, that are evidence of my brokenness and, and bring healing to my life. Heal the scars of my past. Take away the label, rip the label off of me. And write your name on my heart in Jesus' name. Amen.